Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Happy Monday, and thank you for riding with us on the BSN Broncos podcast. Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens here, as always, talking about the latest news in Broncos country, and we are getting closer and closer every single day to the draft, uh, and smokescreen season is in full effect, visit season, all sorts of stuff going on right now, and we start today with the quarterback position, because Drew Locke is in the building as we speak, meeting with the Denver Broncos. Dwayne Haskins will be there later this week. It's sort of quarterback week as it relates to the Broncos. And it's up to us, Zach, to decipher what that means. Ryan, is John Elway in love today? Is he just falling deeper and deeper in love with one Drew Locke? I don't think so. But there are a lot of people out there who do, who do think that. And I will say this, the it really sets up nicely for Drew Locke to come in last night, you know, come have dinner, hang out for a little bit. Then John goes and sleeps on it. And we know that usually when he sleeps on it, it <laughs> falls in favor of uh, whatever he's sleeping on. And so it really set up nicely for Drew to make a great impression last night and make John Elway think long and hard about it before he came into the building this morning. The biggest thing with with smoke screens, because we're certainly in that season now, is trying to understand what's a smoke screen and and what's not. And to me, maybe it's just because we cover the team on a daily basis, but to me, bringing in all these quarterbacks just as a smoke screen seems too obvious. I mean, are all these other teams that spend billions and billions of dollars or millions and millions of dollars on the scouting process really not going to do a little more research uh, about the Broncos? Are they just going to say, oh, they're drafting a quarterback because they're bringing all four of these guys in? So then I go one layer further and think, okay, maybe there is some interest. And we certainly know that John did really like Drew Locke, whether whether he's come down off that or maybe that's a smokescreen. Why no more Drew Love Locke? or Drew Locke Love has come out in the past few months is because John doesn't want to portray that image anymore. He said, okay, it got out there. Now I want to back off it. It's going to be interesting today what impression he shows because 
what if Drew Locke is in the pick at 10, but he slides and he's there at 19 or 20 and you already got Devin White, you already got Ed Oliver, you already got a stud, then, I mean, if, if you like this guy, then you're thinking about it. If you love this guy, but you just thought Joe, Joe Flacco was the future, but now he's there, that's when it's really enticing. I I think it's a smokescreen. Is I was trying to figure out a way I could make it fancier than that. That's what I come back. <laughs> that's what I come back with. And I don't think Zach that it is too obvious because here's the thing: all you have to do is put a just a sliver of a doubt in that team picking behind you that you just might go for it. And I'll admit it, like, I have a sliver of a doubt. I was very confident in the fact that the Broncos were not going to draft a quarterback. But as these things work, as the draft season moves on, everything is fluid. And now I'm thinking, okay, I could see it happening now. Where I was at, like, a 0% chance, now I'm at, like, a 3% chance. And if I'm a team that falls in love with Drew Locke, then I'm not named the Broncos, that 3% chance is really eating away at me every night. And so if I have a chance to move up over the Broncos, well, that's beneficial to the Broncos if they don't want to take a quarterback because you're knocking out another player off the board that isn't the guy that you were going for. So I think they're just, they just need to create that little bit of doubt. But, but I, like I just admitted, I'm not 100% sold. I'm not completely convinced that, it, that it's no way it's a quarterback. And you talked about Drew Locke sliding, but I want to talk about someone else because to me, this is where I start to get excited about the prospects of taking a quarterback. And this isn't a knock on Drew Locke, but let me just read to you a tweet that was uh, we were tagged in this morning by our friend Hampus on Twitter. Um, and the, the tweet is from Lance Zerline, who's kind of a draft guru type fella. He says, after speaking with a few different teams, I definitely get the feeling that Dwayne Haskins draft stock was more media created than team driven. I see Haskins falling on draft day, and I think the chances are increasing that he is not the second quarterback off the board. And Hampus tags us and says, can this really be true? You're my NFL oracles, and I've based all my opinions off what you've said. And and this sounds very strange considering your comments. Mm, it does sound a little strange, right? Maybe a smokescreen by some teams? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what what's the that's the most important thing. What is the benefit? You know, because I just, I just laid out the benefit for you for the Broncos – to make it seem like they're taking a quarterback. You get people to trade over you and leave more players on the board that aren't a quarterback. Who would this benefit? Wouldn't it benefit a team who wants him at 10, at at 12, to put this out there, float it to Lance? Look, I don't know. I, I think he's going to fall. So then maybe teams aren't trading up to get him or just trying to hurt his stock and make other teams think, oh, well, he's going to be available for us at 15. Why would we trade up to seven to grab him? Right, or make the team at six read that and think, like, are we wrong on our valuation of him? Is he not as good as we thought he was? Right. So there's definitely a a benefit to this smokescreen. But let's just for a second live in a world where this isn't a smokescreen. I don't know how an NFL team could look at him and say that he is not franchise quarterback worthy I really don't and in fact actually I, I I can imagine it and there's only one thing that can make me imagine it he's got the size he's got the arm he's got the accuracy he's got the brains he's got everything you need there's just one little thing about Dwayne Haskins in which he doesn't look like a prototypical 
NFL franchise quarterback in the eyes of some NFL teams. Mm. Can you tell me what that is, Zach? Can you tell me what that is, Ryan? That would be his skin color. That is the only thing that I could identify with Dwayne Haskins that I think a team could say, well, he's just, he doesn't look like a franchise quarterback to us. Which would be pathetic. It Completely pathetic. And so, if that is the case, and you know the two or three teams in front of the Broncos that want quarterbacks are worried that you know they they don't want to put all their eggs in the basket of a black quarterback because you know traditionally there have been more white franchise quarterbacks and the Broncos should be thanking the heavens above I saw uh, a reporter close to the Giants maybe last week come out and say that the Giants don't like Dwayne Haskins because he's not mobile and uh, to me that's great for John Elway he's got to love that because was Peyton Manning mobile Sure wasn't. Was Case Keenum a mobile quarterback? Especially not after that injury, he wasn't. Is Joe Flacco a mobile quarterback? He's the opposite of that. So John doesn't need these guys to be mobile. In fact, he doesn't want the Kyler Murray. He's the most mobile quarterback to maybe ever play the game. He's not looking for that. Now, do you want a guy... I mean, would John say no to Drew Locke because he can move around? No, of course not. But... John doesn't need a mobile guy. So if the Giants really pass on Dwayne Haskins... The Giants who have won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning. (laughs) Exactly. Putting that out there. If they pass on him because of that, Ryan, he could fall right in the lap of the Broncos. That would be one hell of a blessing. I'm telling you, this guy's can't miss. He has all the things I look for, except for the mobility. But remember, that's the one thing that's on my board that's not on John (laughs) Elway's. So... His mobility is very low. But again, this is a team who just put all their eggs in the Joe Flacco basket. <laughs> he has the maybe the lowest mobility of any quarterback out there right now. Not you know, not named Tom Brady or maybe Phillip Rivers. Yep. Uh so if you are looking for a guy who stands in the pocket, um, you know, can shake off a hit or two in there, um, can read the field and deliver a strike. You got him in Dwayne Haskins, and if and if teams are going to, you know, find ways to discredit him because of things that they're not seeing on film, because of you know just the whatever overthinking, whether it's his skin color or something else that they're just trying to identify in him, well then you are in a great position, Broncos, because if you can get the the guy who really at one point was the best quarterback in the draft. And now for me, he's second best. But if you don't like Kyler Murray, he's your number one quarterback on the board, then you should do it. And here's the thing. I don't know exactly where Lance is coming from. He gives himself a little wiggle room because he never says, I see him slipping past 10 or something. He just says, I I see him slipping. I can't see him falling past 11. Now, what I've seen recently is a lot of connection with the Oakland Raiders to Drew Locke. And I mean, I've seen some mocks that have the Raiders trading up to two because Kyler Murray goes one Raiders trade up to two to make sure they get Drew Locke. And then you're, you're just, you just need him to slip past Dwayne Haskins to slip past six with the Giants. And if that would be if they don't want him like that other report says, he, he's not going to fall out of the top 10 because whether it's the Broncos grab him at 10 or the Bengals trade up, It's it, it, the Dolphins trade up, the Redskins trade up. Someone's going to trade up because I believe there's a huge drop-off between the top three quarterbacks and then the fourth quarterback. So a team's not going to want to uh, wait at, at 13 to have Daniel Jones fall to them. 
I hate just the name Daniel Jones like messes up my Monday. If if you have an opportunity to take Dwayne Haskins and you took Daniel Jones, like I quit. <laughs> uh, anyways, just the film on Dwayne Haskins is all you need to see. Um, the you know they they say that he does great on the board. He's you know very intelligent, and if you can look at those two things, not to mention he has the number one most important characteristic of a quarterback going from college to pros, which is accuracy. Completed 70% of his balls last year. 1% more than Kyler Murray, who I believe is insanely accurate. Now, that offense is catered towards a lot of easy passes. And so, like in most cases, your your completion percentage is going to go down in the NFL. But you want to bring in Dwayne Haskins and put him behind Joe Flacco and teach him how to be you know, a pocket passer, under center sort of thing, Go go ahead and do it because he is – exactly what you like other than the fact that he didn't he's not coming from pro style offense which no one is anymore so get used to it let's say drew lock and dwayne haskins are there for the broncos at 10 why would you not pick one of them you don't want to take you don't want to uh use your most valuable chance to improve your team on not improving your team now it's the win now versus win later right and and that's the argument but what about the chiefs when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, not only did they draft him, was it, was it 10 or was it 11? Right in there. It, it was one of those spots. Why were the Broncos are? They traded a first-round pick in order to do that. So they literally mortgaged the future on this guy and said, we're a win-now team. Now, I'm not the biggest Andy Reid guy ever. I don't think he's the greatest coach to ever walk the face of the earth like some people do. But Andy Reid is always a playoff team. He always makes his teams competitive. So he's a win-now guy, too. And he said, we're going to win now and mortgage our future. Why can't John Elway just say, we're winning now? I have Joe Flacco instead of Alex Smith. That's okay. I feel comfortable with that. And we're not paying him that much money, just like the the Chiefs weren't paying uh, Alex Smith a crazy amount of money. And we're going to win now because of Joe Flacco. And then I'm getting this guy. And look, I don't have to give up an additional first-round pick. And I can get my quarterback at 10. The reason is, one, because I think Andy Reid knew at a certain point, I can't win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. John Elway doesn't feel that way about Joe Flacco. Mm. Um, The other thing is Andy Reid is a very, very confident man when it comes to his offense. It's, you know, if he's helping make the picks and it's his offense and he saw Patrick Mahomes come out of Texas Tech and thought, holy cow, this is the perfect fit. So I don't really care about this year because I think I just I see a guy who fits so well in my offense I can win multiple Super Bowls with him later. You have to be very confident to have that feeling. And I don't think John Elway, one, has the confidence in his own ability to identify quarterbacks, and two, is is so confident in his offense and the in the way that it is to see a guy especially because there there's automatically going to be a transition. Remember, there's no transition. For Patrick Mahomes. I mean, obviously there's a slight one, but he's going from spread offense to spread offense. There's no, how is this guy going to project as a pro-style player? That's what you have to do with every single one of these guys, unless you want to go back and draft Carson Wentz, who is playing in a pro-style offense. They don't, those guys don't exist anymore. So I think you're always going to have a little bit of doubt. Dwayne Haskins, well, he just kind of sat back there in the pocket, and yeah, he makes really accurate throws, but he didn't have to go under center and you know run play action all the time. How's that going to work? Well, 
for me, I personally think it's going to work great. Now, if it if it were me, I would not make him do that. I would just call up Ryan Day and say, hey, can we have your playbook? Cool. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and just run my offense that way. Now, the Broncos aren't going to do that. So no matter what, if they ever draft a quarterback from now until the end of John Elway's tenure or whenever they want to stop running this offense, they're always going to have to project. And I think that's the number one thing that scares them is they don't want to run a college offense and they are afraid to project young players into this college offense. Here's what I hope. I hope that John Elway at least has an open mind. And let's say the point of bringing all these quarterbacks in is smokescreen. Have it be 95% smokescreen, 5%. You're open to the idea of falling in love because the Chiefs didn't trade up uh, before the draft started, and they didn't trade up to 10 before the draft started just to grab a quarterback. No, they went to go and get Patrick Mahomes because that was their guy. The Broncos, let's say Drew Locke absolutely convinces John Elway today that he is their man. John should be willing to then change his draft board and say, okay, look, I said Joe Flacco was entering his prime, but Joe Flacco's prime is 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and good in the playoffs, can make a deep playoff run. But look, this Drew Locke guy, He's got me thinking 55 touchdowns is, is is his ceiling. That's double of what Joe Flacco is. I believe he's got it in the head. He's got the physical tools. That's my guy. Or the exact same conversation with Dwayne Haskins. As long as John is, is open and truly evaluating these guys, because, Ryan, we know John has admitted that he's not always been open when making decisions like this. So if he is open in this decision time, that's all you can ask. And let one of these quarterbacks blow you away. And if they don't, then don't go quarterback because you have yours. Let me ask you this because uh, Andre wrote a column about drafting quarterbacks yesterday. And, and it, I thought it was really well done. So go on to bsndenver.com. If you're not a subscriber, what better time than now? Broncos going into draft season. Avs going into the playoffs. Nuggets going into the playoffs. Rockies playing. <laughs> uh, They've got, what, 150 left? Yeah, 152 <laughs> games left. Um Go check out this column because I think he did, you know, it's a, a well done job by Andre. But he had a point in there that really resonated with me. And he said, Well, I'll just ask it to you in question form. What is more, what hurts more? Drafting a quarterback who flops or having the opportunity to and not drafting a quarterback who blows up? B. Option B, I, I'd say, is it hurts more. Yeah. Because. If you, you don't already have that guy. Right, because you had the guy. He was there. You could have been yours, and now he's not. And you never know when the opportunity will arise again to get that guy. Especially in this circumstance with, with, with the Broncos where you could have him. You just, you put winning right now ahead of everything else. That that would be the worst. That And that, that would last for what? two decades exactly so you know it didn't happen but let's just say the Broncos were picking at 10 and they didn't take Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs got him right behind him like can mm. you imagine the pain mm. well it's not gonna happen I guess it's not necessarily gonna happen in the division this year with the way that people are picking around you but if you had the chance to get Dwayne Haskins he was sitting in it right there at 10 and let's say he falls to the Bengals, and the Bengals get him, and the, and he becomes a all-pro quarterback, you're going to be kicking yourself forever, and there's no guarantee the next chance you have 
that that guy is going to be the guy. How about this, though? What if the Raiders go Quinn and Williams because he falls to them at four, and then they package their first or their their second or their second and third first round picks and move up to twelve just ahead of the Dolphins and get him? Then he is in your division, right? Then he was the guy that you could have had that you pass on, who's now going to give you fits forever. Mm. So again, I still am not of the belief that the Broncos will draft a quarterback, but. It's certainly something to consider for the Broncos if one of those two guys falls and and if if the smoke screens aren't smoke screens. Everyone is trying to make it seem like one of those two guys is going to fall, whether it's Haskins or Locke. And heck, this could all be smoke screen season and Kyler Murray could fall for all I know. <laughs> I wouldn't expect it, but it could happen. If if one of these guys is going to fall, you have to think very long and hard, and I think that's why they're doing this research. Because if you, in your heart of hearts, believe this guy is a franchise quarterback, a Super Bowl-winning caliber player, but we're going to pass on him because he can't—he doesn't help us right now, you could end up regretting that as much, if not more, than any missed pick or anything you've done in, in during you know this time as as Broncos GM. I mean, look at Josh Allen. If Josh Allen was the Broncos quarterback last season, we'd be talking about the Broncos in a better light than we are right now. Absolutely. 100%. Even if they had the same record. Well, what did the what did the Bills go? About in the same range? Yep. Yeah. I mean, ninth overall pick right now. Right. So they're yeah. So we'd be talking we'd be talking about them in a higher light. We'd be saying, "Wow. The Broncos have their quarterback of the future. It's time to build around him. Get him a speedster out there on the flank." you know, build this offense around him and, and get ready to go. Well, well, they didn't. They passed up on him. Depending on how good he becomes, that's a regrettable decision. Josh Rosen the same way. And if it happens again, you let Dwayne Haskins go. And two years from now, we're saying, wow, Broncos are back in quarterback purgatory. And they pass on Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Dwayne Haskins, all of which are in the playoffs this year. That's going to hurt a lot. It will. And Ryan, I think we're going to have a very good idea this week. We're not going to have to wait till the draft to find out if the Broncos are actually interested in one of these quarterbacks. If a report comes out, a leak, a uh, rumor on the street comes out this week that John Elway loves Drew Locke, had a great meeting with him, is blown away by him. Same thing with Dwayne Haskins. Whenever they meet with Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones, same thing comes out, smokescreen. I was gonna. I was gonna say that means they're not drafting him. It means they are not drafting him, and they are pushing this narrative as much as they can. If nothing comes out, and, and it's crickets, I'm not saying that they love these guys, but there's a chance. Then that's when the chance goes from what five or ten percent now. In my book, thirty-five, forty-five, fifty percent. If nothing comes out, so pay attention to that. And if you want them to draft a quarterback. Hope you don't see anything about about these on Twitter. The one thing that I just keep coming back to is what I heard from a source in Indianapolis, which is that the scouting team and the offensive staff shifted their focus after getting Joe Flacco. Now, there's plenty. I mean, that was, what, a month ago? Yep. A little over a month ago. There's plenty of time to shift your your focus back. So maybe, you know, the, the initiative changed. Things change, like... And that's why I'm not saying, like, because I heard that, it's 
there's no chance they're drafting a quarterback. No, things change. And there's a lot of time to sit and think. If you're John Elway, Vic Fangio, and the rest of the staff, what's the best thing to do here? And and so I, I do come back to that and just think, okay, well, there was a time where they had decided or, or were, were very much leaning towards the fact that they are not going to draft a quarterback this year. And, and that always stays in the back of my mind. But that is very, very much um, fluid. And that could change. And they have plenty of time to shift their focus back to quarterbacks. They could do it all week this week at study quarterbacks. And I'm sure they will be doing quite a bit of studying a quarterback so they're prepared for these visits. Uh, but that does stay in the back of my mind because it does go against win now. And if John Elway is on the three-year plan and he wants to get the Broncos back to the Super Bowl or near it in the next three years, it doesn't make sense to draft a quarterback at 10. If John Elway is on the 10-year plan, how can I make the Broncos great again? And how are they going to sustain long-term success, success whether I'm here or not? And, and if I have to leave after five straight missed playoffs, but I know that you know they're, they're in the right hands, if that's what he wants, then quarterback is on the board. Unless John just looks at recent history and says the game is changing. Look what the Eagles did. They... When they, they drafted a young quarterback, and two years later, they were in the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Then look what the Chiefs did. They drafted a young quarterback, and two years later, they're in the AFC Championship game in overtime against Tom Brady. Now, right now, do I think that's how he feels? No, I don't. But, man, it's just, is he, is he open? Is he open to it? Now, not is he open to Kyler Murray, because we know that answer is flat out no. He's not open to Kyler Murray, but but is he open to looking at how teams have had success recently? Because it's easy on the surface to say drafting a quarterback does not help you get to the playoffs in the next two or three years. But if you look around, it does, it, and it has for many teams. Well, I think it starts your – it just pushes your cycle one year back. You probably aren't making the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. So it means – you, your your playoff aspirations and, and really, you know, Super Bowl aspirations are, are not until next year. And that's probably just getting in. Now your quarterback has to learn how to play in the playoffs. So then he's going to have at least one year of learning experiences, right? Just the way Jared Goff did. Then it's year three when you're, when you're saying, okay, we, we went through the bumps in year one. We made it to the playoffs in year two. And now year three, we are trying to win a Super Bowl. But remember, that's if you hit on the pick. If you miss on the pick, you're setting yourselves back seven years probably. Because let's just let's just live in a world where the Broncos draft Drew Locke and he's a bust. They sit him behind Joe Flacco this year, right? For most all of the year. Yep. We'll say all of the year. Next year he becomes a starter. He goes six and ten. And has 25 interceptions, 17 touchdowns. Okay, well, now you're a little worried. But you have to be patient here, right? The next year, they go 7-9. and nine, And Locke's closer to a 1-1 one -to -one touchdown interception. Year three, you're still riding with him, right? You invested a first-round pick. Year three, same thing happens. And he still doesn't look there. Okay, so now you're coming up on his fifth-year option. Actually, you've already come up on that. You've already had to make that decision. If you if you said yes, then this last year where you know he busted out was really concerning because now you're on the hook for another year. 
And no matter what, you're probably going to give that year, uh, you can let that year happen again. Now you're in year five of this whole thing, and it's still not working out. Well, guess what? You've just wasted five years. And now your cycle, if you want to draft a rookie quarterback, well, now it's three more years before you're back there. If that's the case, then John is afraid of swinging and missing. Well, that, I mean, that's the truth. In Le- I mean, Paxton Lynch was a very rare scenario. I mean, you, you actually got lucky with Paxton Lynch that he was so much of a bust that you were willing to move on that quickly. Because it's that's actually, I, I've never even thought at this point out loud, it's actually better that Paxton Lynch was so freaking bad that he never even started half a season because he never got a chance to, to build up hope. And once there's that hope, You've already invested your your future in this guy. You have to see it through. And until you've determined this guy can't play, you're going to ride it as long as you possibly can because one, you don't want you don't want to be wrong, and two, you're ho- you're hoping to be right and you you don't want to move on from this guy too early. So drafting a quarterback who is just below franchise quality is the worst thing you can do. And I think that has to scare you a little bit if you're John Elway. Or being 8-8 eight and eight this year has to scare you being John Elway. If you don't go quarterback, if you go quarterback, then you feel fine. You've rebounded a little bit, and now you have this young guy who's going to either debut next year or he kind of took you from 5-8 and eight to 8-8, eight and eight and you feel good about the momentum going there. You're rolling the dice either way. If you go with a young quarterback, you're rolling the dice on what that means to the team. This year, is he going to pan out? If you don't take a quarterback, then you better make the playoffs. You better be in a push, and Joe Flacco better be at least a 2-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio because you know what? If not, then you're going to be sitting at 18 next year in the draft, and that's the worst place to be when you need a quarterback. Tough decisions ahead for John Elway, no doubt. Um, For me, I've been hard on this train that they're not going to draft a quarterback. I'm coming off that a little bit, but don't get that confused with me saying I don't want them to. If Dwayne Haskins is there, pull the damn trigger because you just got gifted a franchise quarterback. The best quarterback in the draft, as some people would would still say. And if you're John Elway, I think he should be the number one quarterback on your board. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take a quick break here, Zach. When we come back, plenty of questions to get to. Hyperelectric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. 
they've done actually everything from preparing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Rolling along here on the BSN Broncos podcast, Zach and I used the break as our opportunity to complain about Ian Desmond, so you don't have to hear it on the podcast. Um, but we do have questions to get to, and I'm sure none of them involve Ian Desmond. Um, let's hope not. All right, first one here comes in from Trade for Rose, and he says, do you guys think Royce will have a bigger role this year? I'm not doubting Phil in any way, shape, or form, but do you think they use Royce a little more than he was used last year being the bigger back? I like how you have to like qualify <laughs> that now. Like, I'm, not, I'm just not saying anything bad about Phil here. They don't want the wrath of Ryan on them. Or just the wrath of like the more baseball talk. Kyle Freeland has the Freeland Freaks. Mm, yep. I don't know what Phil has. The Phil... Phil Freaks. Friends you just spell Freaks, freaks yeah. with a PH. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, it's... it's it's reached that level. If you say something bad about Phil Blinsey, oh. you're not only going to get his fans, you're going to get his family coming after <laughs> you. Especially on, on social media, if I understand right. Yeah, yeah. Don't mess Don't mess with the Lindsays. <laughs> it's just a f- solid uh, rule to live by. Saying that, though, Ryan, I do think Royce t- takes a bigger role this year, at least at the beginning. And maybe it is the exact same thing that happened last year. I don't necessarily... I'm not necessarily saying Royce is going to be the starter because I don't believe that'll be the case. But I think the Broncos are going to want to save Philip Lindsay and make sure he can make it through the year, be ready for a potential playoff push. And I wouldn't be surprised if Phil is clearly the better back through the first six weeks of the season, yet Royce and Phil are splitting carries. And it's going to be driving everyone, including you and I, nuts. We're going to be pulling our hair out on Mondays after games. We're going to be saying, what in the world are they doing? And if it's if it's still going that way, then it will flip in the middle of the season. But I do think the Broncos are going to try to make Royce, maybe not the featured back, but half the guy at the start of the season. Here's something that coaches have to think about that fans never do. And it creates a an unwarranted frustration from fans. Running running Royce thirteen times in a game actually could help Phil break that long one, and no one no one thinks of it that way. No one thinks that when Royce Freeman gets thirteen carries for thirty seven yards and Phil has thirteen carries for one hundred and forty. Be- maybe that's too much. <laughs> 13 we'll say 15 carries for 120 you know he just completely went off but one of them was a 75 yard run well no one thinks like oh great job by the broncos to set up the defense by you know hammering them down with royce and then hitting them with the change of speed and and then not being able to take the right angles to get to phil it's just it's something that coaches have to think of that fans never do all the fans see is how did phil only get 15 carries when he was averaging nine yards a carry, whereas Royce got 13 carries while he was ra- averaging, you know, barely three three yards a carry. It's it's frustrating for fans, and I know I like I. You see Devontae Booker running to the back of one of his offensive linemen, and you're thinking like that was a wasted <laughs> carry that should have been in Phil's hands. But when you do have to think over the course of a whole season, when you do have to think of setting up the defense in the over the course of a game. 
It's not that simple. You can't just give Phil every carry. It's never going to work that way. And I think the Broncos do have to think about Phil's body over the long-term course of the season. Um, and it's smart to work in Royce. Not to mention, Royce is averaging over four yards per carry when he, before he got injured last year. Exactly. So we're, we're on the same page there. It's going to drive everyone crazy. But it's probably the smart thing to do, at least to start, and then see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from OJF. He says, didn't get my question in time on the last pod. So how many Broncos get in the top three and the whole AFC West for their respective positions? Example, Vaughn is a top three, top the, the best pass rusher, uh, etc. Honestly, you guys brighten up my mornings at work. Please keep it up. Man, that means so much. Thank you, OJF. So how many Broncos are in the top three at their position in the AFC West? So quarterback, no. Um, I guess that means just better than one. Yeah, you just got to be better than Derek Carr. Is he? To be seen, I would say. Yeah, I have to. If if I had to give a yes or no, I'd say he's four out of four. I would too, but it's definitely not hard for him to sneak into the top three. No, it's not. Running backs. You have Melvin Gordon, uh, no more Kareem Hunt, and uh, yeah. Marshawn yeah. Lynch. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> Phil's in there. Phil is in the top three. So now we're at one. Wide Tight ends. T- zero. No. Probably zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, where does he stack up against? Um, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill obviously is, is number one. Who? Why am I blanking mm, on the. Uh, you have Keenan, Keenan Allen. Allen. Probably two or Antonio Brown two. No, I I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is a top three. Would you you put um, Keenan Allen over Emmanuel? With the uncertainty with Emmanuel right now, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, that's fair. Um, Offensive line. No, no, no. (laughs) I mean, it'd be hard. We'd have to. We don't know enough about the 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 Chargers left guard to to tell you how you know Ronald Leary stacks up against it. That would be the only one, and we're just gonna say no. So offense two, no. We got. We came out with one. One, yeah. Phil, defense Vaughn, yes. Is Bradley Chubb? Bradley Chubb's probably the second best. Oh well, Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa is probably the second best. I would take. Chubb over Ingram. I would, too. I would, too. The way they're trending, I would take Chubb. So, two. Yep. Inside linebackers? No. No. Defensive line? Who would that be? Derek Wolf? Yeah. No. No. Shelby Uh, Harris? Probably probably not. not. No. Chris Harris Jr.? Yep. Absolutely, without a doubt. So, we're up to three on the defensive side. And this is tough with the other cornerback spot. Who else do you have in the AFC? Chiefs, you're better than. A corner. Yeah. Chargers. I think think you could probably say that uh, the Chargers have a couple guys. um, Verrett, but I think he was actually a free agent this year. I think so. So I think he's gone. Yeah. And then I'm blanking on the other guy that they have who's actually really solid. Yep. Um, So we'll say I'd say the the Broncos get two two of the top three there. Okay. I like that. And safety. No, because you have the Honey Badger in Kansas City. Derwin you James. have Derwin James. Uh, I mean, is there a room for a third? No, I I just can't do it with. Yeah, neither of them. With the year Justin had last year, so what? That those three on defense, one on offense. I think we got four on defense. Four on defense. Yeah, two at corner, two at outside linebacker. Man, those are stacked rooms. Yeah, they and are. And Phil, so five. 
Remember Chris, though. Mm, not, not exactly there. a certainty. <laughs> You're right. Mm. not with the team right now. You need him. There's another reason that you need him. <laughs> yep. So five out of, what, 22 starting positions? That's, that's okay. It's pretty solid. It's yeah. 25%, and you represent 25% of that division. Real quick, though, I can just go through the Chiefs' offense, and I'm already at three. Yeah. Before even thinking too hard about it. Yeah. With Kelsey. Mahomes and Tyree Kill. Yeah. Um, Eric Fisher might be a top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if we went position by position on the line, we might be able to find a spot where you could fit a three because you only have to be better than one other guy, you know, since there's right. only one, one position there. Yeah. Or just comfortable with zero. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Where you uh, you know where we are here. Next one coming in from Tom Mercury. He says, "Top of a cup, how many holes does it have? Then punch a hole in the bottom of the cup in an identical position as the top. How many holes does it have? If you then punch a hole in the side, how many holes does it have? Lastly, if you punch one more in a random spot on the side, how many holes are there?" It's a fair point. Again, I there's an argument for both sides i don't know how it can ever be settled i feel like this this kept tom up at night because uh he just really wanted to prove his point and i think he he proved his point pretty well he says also football related you guys asked why it was so common to make fun of flacco well i don't know but is but it's the same with nickelback this is how you remind me that we have nickelback as our quarterback and it got me feeling too damn good i think in the words of nickelback yeah, well, <laughs> if you look at this photograph, <laughs> there we go, of Joe Flacco, <laughs> um, then you'll realize why he's so easy to make fun. Of. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, Nickelback, Loki had some bangers at one point. <laughs> just everyone decided to pile on them later in life, just because I think the lead singer has, has a very um, voice that's easy to make fun of. It is, it, and you did a good job. Thank you. Of impersonating, I'll say, not making fun of. Oh, yeah, so we don't make fun of <laughs> exactly. on the podcast. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, all right, where are we next? I'm completely lost. T. Wood chime in, and he says, Hey, guys, haven't posted a comment for a while, but I felt I should chime in concerning Elway's comments about waiting until after the draft to address Chris Harris Jr.'s contract. I'm not worried, and I don't think anyone needs to be. Standard operating procedure this time of year. You have to see how the draft unfolds. For example, if we trade back in the first round, that changes significantly the amount of cap space they will have to work with. Maybe the draft falls so we end up with two new offensive linemen, and now Leary is expendable with a manageable dead cap hit. Who knows what may fall in our lap? All I'm saying is that I believe Elway is doing what's necessary so that he can do right by Chris. Thinking back, he did the same thing in his first year as a GM with Champ. Elway knows what Chris means to the team, the franchise, and all of Broncos country. There's my optimistic thought. Shaka, much love, and go Broncos. Man, I hope you're right. Uh, Everything you said, you know, can make sense. You know, from a football perspective, from a from a John always thinking perspective, um, I can't disagree with really any of it. I just hope it's right. I hope John Elway isn't trying to get <laughs> too cute here, you know, and say, okay, well, we got Callahan and he can replace Chris, and we we can get a guy in the second round. Like GMs have been known to do stuff like that. 
and almost kind of look over the fact that a guy is the heartbeat of the team or anything like that. You know, if you're trying to get too cute, you want to pull a Patriots move here. I can see that happening too. I, I just hope it doesn't. Yeah, and I think it's a great point that, that you make, T. Wood. And Ryan, the question, and I'm okay with that, if that's the the reasoning from John and if he's going to then try to sign Chris up. How many days or weeks or months after the draft ends and Chris still isn't locked up, do you start getting concerned? I mean, is it that Monday if he doesn't show up to, to uh, off-season workouts and there's no deal? Is it the following Monday? When is it? I am not going to worry until mandatory minicamp. Needs to get done before then. So that the whole summer isn't just wondering if your second best player is showing up? Yeah, I don't want to talk about Chris Harris Jr. every single day on the podcast during June. I like that. I like that. I'm okay with that. So that, that I think, is when it becomes a pressing issue. And that's when I start to worry that the Broncos are overthinking this. But the uh, concern level is going to be peaked if that Tuesday right after the draft, he's not there. And I agree with you. I'll, I'll kind of press the brakes for a month until mandatory minicamp. And remember, we'll have three days to ask John about this, <laughs> especially the last day. Yeah. Okay, John, the draft is over. What's the plan with Chris? And what if he says he's got $8.5 million uh, contract for this year? I, I could absolutely <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. Because he wouldn't be wrong. He does. John would say, well, Chris is under contract, so mm-hmm. I expect him to be here when when mandatory minicamp begins. Yep, this is all voluntary. No worries. Yeah. It's going to be a tense three days. It will be in many, many ways. I mean, starting from the first nine picks of the draft, that's yep. going to be like I, my heart rate raises just thinking about it <laughs> because I just know like we're going to have to kick into gear the second that it happens. At all. Yep. I always get the jitters before the, f- the first round pick. Yep. Um, if they draft a corner in the second round, what that means, yep. what's going to happen on the last day when we ask about Chris. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of things that uh, the, the Broncos country is very in flux right now. Too bad Chris just can't be with us during the whole draft. That would be sweet. Would be. We should do a, a Chris Harris live podcast. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> All right. I was on the wrong, po- I was on the wrong uh, comment section. That's why I was so lost. So I'm not going to lie. You had me worried that I was on the wrong <laughs> comment section. I mean, we could, maybe we're, we're, maybe we're both on the wrong one. Now. But at least we're on the same page. We'll literally. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, from threat level midnight. Hey. <laughs> I'm commenting so that we can go back to two hour podcasts. I listen and love the content every single day. The science of ties in the NFL is that they're valued at Point five or half a win, I called wow. it. Wow. If you finish the season at 0-0-16, you'd be at 500 and could potentially make the playoffs. Crazy, right? 1-0-15 would give you a .531 win percentage. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, a, a tie is half a win or half a loss. Do you agree with that? Depending on how you view a glass of water. It's true. Uh, yeah. I guess it should be. Yeah. There's, that's the only way it can work. What would the odds be? At a zero zero and sixteen season, that'd be uh, greater than winning the lottery. A trillion to one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what, whatever. Because remember, there's a. It's like over a trillion to get a perfect bracket in March Madness. Yep. And that's way easier than a team going zero <laughs> and sixteen. A head coach should just bet a hundred bucks on that and then make his team tie every game. Even that would be impossible. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> 
you can't even make your team win every game. How are you going to make them tie? That's a good point. Um, he goes on to say, anyways, you guys may not agree with this, but for a few years now, I've thought the NFL as a whole puts too much weight into draft picks. Teams trade proven veterans for what could be a terrible pick. I know clubs are trying to save money, but sometimes it's smarter to hang on to the players that you know what you have in um, and can make a significant imp- impact on the game, especially if you're not rebuilding or making uh, – but you're making a push push for the playoffs. Chris Harris Jr.'s situation is baffling to me. The Broncos may be considering trading him, but the odds of that second or third round pick will be better or at least equal to his production is slim slim at best. I agree with you, uh, Threat Level Midnight, and that's why if I'm if I'm a team that's competing or has a chance, man, and there's an Akib Talib up for grabs for a fifth round pick, you've got to be kidding me. I'm trading a fifth round pick all day for him. Same with Chris. If I could get Chris for a third round pick, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And so I'm anything less than a first. Exactly, exactly, without a doubt. And that's why if I'm the Broncos, I mean, things have to be so sideways in order for me to trade Chris for a second-round pick because it does make your team worse. And I'm not convinced at all that Rocky Sin is going to be Chris Harris Jr. Not not at all. Uh, not convinced Byron Murphy, a first-round guy, is going to be that, or Greedy. So I totally agree with you. And I would, if I was an NFL team, I'd try to take advantage of those all day long. Yeah, it is silly oftentimes how much weight is put into the draft and and how much confidence these GMs have that they can hit on a pick when at best it's 50-50 in the early rounds. Hitting on a sixth-round pick is, is really, really difficult. Hitting on undrafted free agents, sometimes hitting on undrafted free agents is almost easier because there's guys like Philip Lindsay who are completely proven and you can go get them. Um, but you know, they're missing this or that, um, you know, sixth round picks, you're, you're gambling. You're just saying, well, look at this guy. He's six, three and you know, 220 pounds and he's really athletic and he jumps high and you're just like, well, he's never really played football well, but let's take him anyway. <laughs> exactly. That that's exactly how I view it as well. Next one coming in from Micah Pexy says, when I put together my all time Bronco team, most positions are fa- fairly straightforward for me. The most difficult by far in a 3-4 defense is inside linebacker. How do you choose two out of Randy Gratishar, Tom Jackson, Al Wilson, and Carl Mecklenburg? Who would you choose out of the, those four? He, he also says, P.S., getting motivated to go work out every day is always tough. But ever since I found you guys, my mind is now like, damn, I don't want to go work out. Wait. I get to listen to BSN Broncos. Okay, I'm going. Weekends are harder without you guys. Man, that is so cool, Micah. You don't need to work out during the weekends anyway. <laughs> exactly. <Take the> weekend <laughs> off. Um, I think doctors would even say you need that time off. Are you a podcast while working out guy? If I'm going at a leisurely pace, then then I am. But when it and I'm a, I'm a runner now. I can't believe I'm saying that. Never thought I would say that. So when I push the pace, I can't do it. I got to have loud music. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of the same way, except for when I listen to a podcast, I get so freaking locked in Mm. that like I'll just catch myself taking like a three minute break between sets. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, people are probably staring at me being like, geez, will this guy get off the bench already? So sorry, you're going so hard. You got to take those breaks. No, I just I need the music. It keeps it just keeps me on a pace. Yep. Where I'm like, all right, you know, keep it going. So I, I envy you for being able to listen to uh, 
podcast for while working out i just get too distracted like i I end up being more into the podcast than i am into the workout maybe he does he speeds it up to two time and then the pace is just it's right what he needs that's a good plan um for me i would take gratishar and mech it's it's hard not to say those guys one of my favorite all-time broncos is al wilson so just personally it's hard to pass up on him then who would be your second i'd probably go gratishar and mech but Wilson and who? I'll go Tom Jackson. Why not? No, get out of here. Uh, yeah, I would take Gratishar and Mecklenburg. I yeah. think those guys are both very... Uh, you don't do wrong if you have any of those two. It's very true. He goes on to say... Oh, wait, never mind. Uh, next one here is from Captain Hook. He says, right now, I'm sold on Hawkinson as the pick at 10, regardless of who is left on the board. I could write pages about why I feel so strongly about this, but I'll try to keep it short and concise. We appreciate that. (laughs) He fits the win now mold Elway is after, which is something hard to find in receiving weapons, let alone tight ends. He fits the scheme and game plan Scangarello wants to run with his ability as a receiver and a run blocker, becoming a potentially lethal combination. Flacco has relied on tight ends for much of his career, and this pick would be investing in the success of your, dare I say, franchise quarterback, and he'd add some much-needed steam to a position in offense that has been pitiful for years. I have other points, but I'm sure you guys get the idea that I'm trying to make. Theme, scheme, and seam right down the seam. <laughs> Where's Colin from Mullins? We miss you. Hashtag team two holes. Hashtag Pancheros is life. Hashtag I love you guys. Hashtag team two holes. That is that is funny. Uh, I didn't know what it meant at first. So I was like, should I read this out loud? Man, and and you make good, good, really good points, Captain Hook. I had some clarity about the tight end position at ten. Tight end is a luxury position. Maybe the most luxurious position in all of football, at least maybe on the offensive side of the ball. The Broncos have a lot more needs and, and holes to fill than one at a luxury position. And do great teams sometimes have great tight ends? Absolutely. The Patriots, the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey, do great teams sometimes not have good tight ends? Yeah, that does happen as well. The Rams last year didn't really have a explosive tight end. They had a good one, but exactly, crazy. Exactly. And can you have a great tight end uh, or an above-average tight end and be a bad team? Yeah, you can. Can you be a bad team and not have a good tight end? Yeah, you certainly can be. And I just think the Broncos need other positions more than that luxury. The the formula you just used applies to every position except for quarterback, though. Hmm. It's important then, right? Yeah. There's, But when we go through our rankings, it's quarterback, pass rusher, slash offensive tackle, then the other one, um, and then... Uh, and then, and then from there, it, it falls out. Broncos need two of those. So before you, you go too far on the need list and before you get to this great luxury of what a Hawkinson would bring, I think there's so many other positions to fill. I agree. There's just one part of me, though, that says, like, this offense needs a tight end. And Shannon Sharp will tell you that. And George Kittle will tell you that. And, you know, you go through all the times the Broncos had really great success or any team has really great success running this offense. They have a really good tight end. And I could totally see Scangarello saying, look, man, if we didn't have George Kittle, we wouldn't have been able to do the things we did with Nick Mullins. And we wouldn't have been able to do this. And we wouldn't have been able to do that. And so there is a situation where I could see the Broncos saying like, we just let's just get the best tight end in the draft. One of the better ones to come out of the draft in the, in the past few years. 
and let's have that guy. And that'll that'll unlock a part of this offense that we can't get otherwise. Does John Elway believe that this offense needs a tight end? I mean, the fact that he's never spent higher than a third-round pick on one tells you probably not. Right. But third-round pick's pretty high for a tight end, so maybe he does value the position. It's just we haven't seen it. Like, they've had opportunities. They could have got Jared Cook this year. Um, They could have went and got Mercedes Lewis last year. Now, that wouldn't have been much of a game-changer, but you've never seen them go after a tight end, really, in, in free agency and really make a hard push. It would be quite the change if John Elway went tight end in 10. Absolutely. All right, let's take our last break here, Zach. When we come back, we'll finish up the rest of these questions. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's in our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue finishing things up here on the bsn broncos podcast thanks for rolling with us today thanks for bringing in all your comments thanks for subscribing thanks for all that you do to make this community special we really do appreciate it let's continue on with the questions here and the next one comes in from mr t he says i've always wondered for like the last Two hours, anyways. If you were a GM and your team was in its Super Bowl window, why wouldn't you just trade each and every one of your future draft picks for first rounders <laughs> this year? Say you're the Rams, Saints, Chargers. Why wouldn't you trade your 2020 and 2021 first rounders to go all in this year? Granted, future picks aren't as desirable for recipients, so you never hope to get more than late first rounders in exchange. But still, take the Chargers. They have to believe the wheels could fall off Philip Rivers any year now. So why not trade for two additional first round picks so you can draft? three stud players to go along with the rest of your 2019 class go all in when you're in your window and if it doesn't work you're probably going to get fired but hey at least you won't be around to have to have to pick up the pieces yeah or on the kind of the reverse if it if it goes successfully then you just retire if if you've had this job for for many years then you're good sorry it's someone else's in someone else's hands that's when the owner comes and says whoa 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 what are you doing here? Are you retiring after this year because you just traded all of our first-round picks in the future away? Uh, it would. It doesn't make sense for a team like the Rams. doesn't make sense for a team like the Chiefs where their window is 10 or 15 years. Is it that important to win the Super Bowl this year when you still have 10 more shots? Probably not. The Chargers and the Saints, too, that's interesting. But you don't do it because of just how much that puts you back. And also, how much are these first-rounders helping you this year? 
because you're probably not trading next year's first-round pick for a top-five pick and getting Bradley Chubb. You're probably trading this year's first-round pick, and if you're any of these teams, they're in the 20s for a a very, very late first-round pick uh, this year. So what does a guy at 30 do to help your team? He does help, but monumentally, probably not. Also, if you're that good, you don't have that many holes, so you don't necessarily need to plug them. Right. Um, you, you're fine getting, you know, if you can hit on a first round and a second round player, well, you've probably just improved your team enough. I like the idea though, because it, it goes back to teams being too in love with the idea of draft picks, mm-hmm. uh, and just saying like, Oh, well, we, we can't do that. We can't do that. Well, why? Just because you think you might get a good player then? Well, you have a chance to get a really good player now. And the one thing is once your window is over, you absolutely need those draft picks to get back. Now, if you want a Super Bowl, it doesn't really matter. You can have a five-year down period after that. Although, if you're in Denver, it's been three years. It feels like it's been 100. So, maybe you don't. Maybe you get a three-year period after winning a Super Bowl before everyone really starts to lose their mind. I mean, people are calling for John Elway's head. He won a Super Bowl three <laughs> years ago. So, it's it's tough because once your window is over, the only way you're getting back, like you're not getting – Drew Brees isn't falling into your hands again. You have to use those draft picks to get back into your window. And if you've traded them all away, well, then there's no way you're getting back, you know, anytime soon. You know when you do this, when you play franchise mode on Madden and you're going all in that year, you win the Super Bowl, and then you say, I'm going to delete this and restart so I can have those future draft picks. No, you just say, all right, cool. I'll I'll start over again when Madden 2021 comes out. (laughs) Exactly. All right, from Mile High Down Under, he says, To the great men of BSN, I've been following the QB chatter recently surrounding Drew Locke and the Giants. Both NFL.com's Tom Pelissero and ESPN.com's Jordan Renan have the G-men deep into Locke and are also reporting that they are openly not enamored with either Murray, too short, or Haskins, too immobile. Whilst I dislike playing the amazing scenario for the Broncos game, i.e. Risner falling to them in the second round, what do you guys think of this? Assuming the Giants are into lock and they believe six is too high for him and draft elsewhere at that spot, would you be comfortable in trading down to their 17 spot? And who would still be an option for the Broncos here or just stay at 10? Cheers for the insight. So Broncos are just trading down to 17? Yes. Um, because the Giants – do the Giants have two first-rounders? I think so. I think that's what he's saying. I don't know if it's true. Um He's saying the Giants want to pick a player at six, then trade back up to 10 to get Locke. Got it. From 17. It's an interesting spot. 17 to me is corner land, is when you would draft a corner, because that just seems like the perfect value for one of those guys. Maybe, maybe you still get a stud defensive lineman there. If, if 17, you better get a first-round pick, an additional first-round pick in order to do that. If you trade to 15, I think you're talking like a second-round pick in return uh, along with 15. If you go to 17, get a first. I'll be honest. There's no team I would love. Will you look it up real quick if the Giants actually do have first two first-rounders? Because I, I want to say there's no team I would love trading back with more uh, than the Giants for a, first round, for a future first-round pick. The reason being is because I don't care if they have Drew Locke or Eli Manning at their quarterback this year. They're not going to have a great year. So, in my mm-hmm. opinion, they remember they don't have OBJ anymore. So you're you know you're you do have Saquon, and and that's a great situation for your quarterback to have that running back to lean on. Either way, I don't think they're going to have a good year. They're the Giants. They're going to fall apart. So, 
with that in mind, I'm like, yeah, let's we'll, we'll take your 2021 pick. That's going to be a top 10. OBJ, you said it. So they have the Browns' first-round pick this year in the OBJ trade, so they do have the 17th overall pick. Count me all the way in on that if they're giving their, their 2020 first-round pick. So they get – I just love using Quinnen Williams as, as kind of a top five, top six guy. So they get Quinnen Williams at six. And then in this scenario, they trade 17 and next year's first to get their quarterback. First, I was going to say it, they're not stupid to know that they're going to have a, a bad year this year and then trade away next year's first. But if they're getting their quarterback this year, do they really, really need that first-round pick next year? I mean, we say it all the time, Ryan. Trade first-round picks for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, the only thing here is that what we talked about earlier. If you miss on a guy, you literally traded away the chance to get him and, and Drew Locke turns out to be amazing, well, then you feel really bad about it. But remember, you're – you're thinking of the of the mindset that you're not going to be up high in the first round anytime soon. So if you can say, wow, the Giants, I think they're, they're really going for it. We can get their first round pick next year. They're going to be a mess. They're one injury away from being, you know, the worst team in the league. I mean, imagine if Saquon got hurt. You know, I'll touch wood for him. Just <laughs> I feel bad bringing just that up. Just because of those thighs? But, yeah, I mean, what, what if he gets hurt? Their team is lost. Their offense is done. So that's a risk I, I would certainly be willing to take. But if they're enamored with Locke, they're not waiting until 17 or till 10 to try and get him. And that's it. That's I, I love the scenario for the Broncos. How I don't see it coming true is if they like a guy so much to trade two first-round picks to get him, they're not going to let him fall past six. Yeah, exactly. Why would you trade next year's first-round pick? And, and, and Yeah, you're right. Two, two first-round picks is really a swap right. and one. But why would you do that if you love him that much? Just draft him at six. <laughs> exactly. And trade up to 10 to get another player if yeah, you want. Exactly. Next one coming Wait, in. Hold on. He says, P.S. Vegemite. Oh. Yes, it's a big <laughs> Aussie thing. Most Aussies love it, but I would not recommend trying it. It's like one of those things you have to start liking as a kid. It's not an acquired taste. It's super salty rather than bitter, but go for your life if you're a game. You know what it looks like? Have you ever had Better Than Bouillon? No, never heard of that. It's It's... A very, very concentrated way to make broth. soup broth. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's super, super salty, super intense with flavor, and you never eat it straight, but it also, it's that brown color, just like Vegemite. Looks like a similar texture. That would be crazy if it tastes like it. I just want to expand my arsenal. Like, I, when someone says Vegemite, I want to say, like, I know what that tastes like. Can we find it in the grocery stores here? I don't know. I've never seen it. We still haven't found Hot Pockets in the grocery store. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, I saw someone today posting that there's a thing somewhere where, where they have battered and deep fried Cadbury eggs. Oh, my gosh. What? So pretty much a Hot Pocket version of a Cadbury egg. Oh. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is incredible. Next one coming in from Ozzy. He says, hey, guys, I quickly wanted to weigh in on the cereal conversation. Cinnamon Life is absolutely the best. I really understand cereal or I really, a really, a really underrated. underrated cereal that I don't think they make anymore was a Scooby-Doo cereal. That stuff was delicious. Do you know what made it delicious? I don't remember Scooby-Doo cereal, but I do remember Scooby snacks, mm, the little gummies. Yep. Top top five gummies <laughs> all time. I imagine the cereal had to be bone-shaped, right? Well, like sounds like it makes shaped. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to keep my eye out on for that. He says, now on to football. 
I generally agree with RK a lot, but one thing that he was wrong on that I don't even think he can deny now is that the Broncos should have traded for Antonio Brown. He was incredibly convincing and even had me in on it as well. But after what transpired between A.B. and Juju Smith-Schuster this weekend, I think it's safe to say that Brown doesn't deserve the honor of wearing orange and blue. Juju seems like a genuinely great guy, and Antonio Brown seems like a genuinely awful human being. I wish him nothing but failure. So, Ryan, do you agree? I'm not admitting uh, <laughs> defeat on anything until he plays. Yeah. I mean, what if he puts up 1,800 yards? Yeah, exactly. What if he puts up 1,300 and the yeah. Raiders are above the Broncos in the standings? Yeah. I'm not admitting anything. I mean, I never said he was a great guy. <laughs> say he's a great football player. Sometimes it's worth it to have a great football player. It's not like, you know, he's committing crimes out there. He's just got to be a good bag, as they say. <laughs> Would you... Do you still think it would have been a good move if the Broncos gave him the contract he got in Oakland? I don't know. I have to see how it works out on the field. <laughs> fair, fair. He says, now on to a quick question. Of all the guys in the draft, which player is your favorite? Not necessarily who you think is the best player, but who is your favorite to watch? This is easy. Come on now. <laughs> Obviously, Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's electric, dynamic. Let's go second favorite. It certainly can't be Nick Bosa since he really hasn't played. No. <laughs> I mean, I could just go down the board. Quinn and Williams yeah, is... Yeah, I knew you were going to go that. It's you... just so much fun because how often do you look at an interior player and think, fun? Or look at a football game and say, I'm going to watch the interior of the defensive line. You don't. But with him and when you watch Aaron Donald, you do. Yeah, um... I'll just go to my my guy that I've been pumping his tires for a couple of weeks now, and that's Devin White. I mean, mm-hmm. he just is a knife. Like, yeah. That's what I want to call him. I want to just call him the, the knife or the machete or something. He just slices through everything, um, and it's very enjoyable to watch. He He's so fast to the ball um, that I think if he was a Bronco, he would – those jerseys would just fly off the rack. How about somehow the Broncos just get both those guys? That'd be okay, right? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Especially Kyler Murray. Now we're talking about what uh, uh, what Mr. T was saying, and the Broncos just mortgage their next five drafts in order to get those two guys. That's, That's fine. All. <laughs> all right, from OG MVP, I saw the Broncos acquired another corner from the AAF, Devontae Bowsby. Mm. Busby? Busby sounds more like a name. Yeah, we'll go with that. I thought it was... Bosby. Oh. But I don't know. I'm always wrong. So, Devontae Bowsby, Bosby, Busby. <laughs> Buzzfeed. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Devontae, uh, what do you know about him and what does this mean for the cornerback room that had already picked up two starters and also has a star in flux? Yes, yes. Well, here's what it is Devontae was a very good signing from the AAF. In fact, uh, the AAF proved to be a pretty good developmental league with how many guys went off the board once they were allowed to sign with teams starting on Thursday. So the Broncos, hat tip to them for signing Devontae. Now, Ryan, why was he playing in the AAF? Um, presumably because he wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. Exactly, exactly. So he dealt with an injury that, that kind of made him lose his, his spot. And he came into the league in 2015, bounced, was with... Vic Fangio in Chicago for a little bit, bounced on and off practice squads for a long time, 
had some flash with the Eagles um, when he was with them. Some he was on the, Was he on when they won the Super Bowl? I think he has a ring. I think he does have a ring. Yes, he, he was with them then. Uh, but ba- bounced back and forth the practice squad. So that's the type of player you're getting. So uh, there was no reason the Broncos shouldn't have signed him. He had, uh, I think, eight to ten teams were interested in signing him. So And the Broncos got him, and he said he chose the Broncos because of Vic Fangio. So, surprise, surprise. E- exactly. So good signing for what it was, but is this a guy who's the number one corner now? No. Did you need more players here, even though you signed two? Yeah, because who was on your team? I mean, you had the the three studs with, obviously, Chris being in flux, and then you had Isaac Adam. And what, entering training camp, you want five, six, seven, eight corners? Yeah, one thing to keep in mind here is that the Broncos lost a corner this year. His name was Brendan Langley. Now, corner is put in (laughs) quotation marks, but he kind of fills that spot of a depth guy who can maybe be a special teams player, He's a blaze. He has blazing speed. You know, four 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 three ish speed. So he can fly. Maybe you can try him out as a returner. There's a lot of options there. And again, it didn't cost you anything. And so you lost Brandon Langley as a corner. You lost Bradley Roby as a corner. You lost Jamar Taylor as a corner. You lost Tremaine Brock as a corner. So what? They still need one more corner to actually fill all of those spots. Yeah, and they'll you know probably draft one or pick one up in uh, undrafted free agency exactly so i wouldn't panic too much over it. all right last one here comes from broncos east coast 58 with fangio at the helm of this defense what would you expect to be an over under for sacks between chubb and vaughn so excited to see what they do at pick 10 to help improve this defense even more mm, so combined sacks for these two what would i put it at what would we what did we put it at last year i'm sure we had a number it was in the 20s. Was it? I think we would have said 15 from Vaughn and 10 from Chubb would have been a great season. Yep. So 25. So 25. And they surpassed that. What was it? 26 and a half? Yep. So this year has to be above that. Has to be above the 26 and a half. Uh, individually, I mean, it's a million dollars or it's a sack per million dollars, but all Vaughn hasn't come close to that since uh, his sophomore year. And obviously that pay scale didn't equate to that. So I'll say you need 17 from Vaughn, which is a lot, but he's getting paid a lot. And how many from Chubb? You want to see 13. So 30 sacks. Yep. 30 was going to be my, like, okay, this is a little too high number. Um, If you get that, you're a playoff team, I think. I mean, obviously we know that that stuff doesn't directly translate, but the only way that's happening is if you're playing with leads. And that means the Broncos formula is working. I'm going to say 28 to set a fair mark. It wouldn't be, you don't want to see it happen. What did Bradley end with last year? 12. It wouldn't be an out and out shock and disappointment if he has 10. No. You know what I mean? No. So you hope that that doesn't happen. um, But I want to keep that, you know, in mind that going from 12 to 10 is not it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not what you want to see, but it's still a good season. So I'll say 28 with, with the you know, Vaughn could go up, Chubb could go up. They can both hit 28. Maybe Vaughn goes up a little more, Chubb goes down one, whatever it is. They need to be dominant as a pass rushing duo. Uh, they they are what you're building your team around. You're not doing it at quarterback. You're not doing it at offensive line. You're not doing it at defensive line. You're doing it with these two pass rushers. So they they have to. There's no excuses. 
remember, 26 and a half led the league in terms of a duo. So we sometimes get caught up in improvement when improve when when there's not that much room for improvement. But I will say, with the corners, with the new scheme, you hope that they can touch 30. And it it better be just better than the best. And and sometimes it's not all about the sacks. It's about the pressures. Can you make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable back there all day? Are there th- – th- there can't be another pass rush duo out there that has two top five players. No. So they've, they've got to be that. Yep. And Bradley Chubb, while he really should be his best in his third year, he should be, what, 90% there this year? Yeah, I mean, Von Miller's best year of his career was his second year. Mm. What 18 if Bradley, and a half. What if Bradley Chubb goes for 18 and a half? The Broncos are going to the playoffs. <laughs> yes. Um, before we move on and, and finish things up here, um, oh, okay, well, I'll let you get this question in first. One coming in from Bucking Broncos. He says, my dudes, I got my free Von Miller goat t-shirt today for subscribing during the promo, and I'm blown away. While it pains me to say this, I've started thinking of draft scenarios that involve Chris being traded for a second rounder. So here's my updated crazy idea. One of the Devons at 10 trading Chris in the second, and then getting his replacement in either an offensive line guy or a weapon, then in the third, trading for Gerald McCoy with Chris's cap space cleared, and in the fourth, going best player available, or flipping it and trading a second for McCoy and getting Isabella in the third. Still, still unrealistic, but possibly an inch closer to reality? Final thoughts about Chris. The only way I am okay with leaving him is if he gets to go to a contender. I think you guys made a point with the Broncos being so bad these past few years. Chris even thought about Chris even thought playing at an elite level doesn't get the national attention he deserves or would get if he was on a contending team. I would love to see Chris make it into the Hall of Fame, and I think him being traded to another team could assist with that. Trust me, I strongly dislike this. This thought has even come into my mind, but I feel like there is some truth to it. Please tell me I am just being over dramatic. Also, Zach, I used to eat hot pockets regularly when I was when I was younger, and all the talk on this podcast reminded me of how I thought they were good. Until I had one again last week. Do your body a favor and just go ahead and pass on trying one. Definitely not as good as I remember. Sorry, RK. Man, the truth comes out, Bucking Broncos. I appreciate that. Here's the thing that, that everyone forgets. We never said Hot Pockets were like a great culinary art. We just said it's something that everyone should have at some point. Just so you could say, oh, yeah, I've had a Hot Pocket. And you could, no one can say they taste bad. They definitely taste good. Is he maybe referring what they do to your body? I mean, in the end, it's just f- frozen meat and cheese and bread. I mean, the idea sounds good. Yeah. You can never go wrong with meat, cheese, and bread. <laughs> it's always going to taste good, no it's, matter what form it is. Especially when the cheese is melted. Calzone, sandwich, uh, pizza. Empanada. I don't know if those have cheese, but... Some of them do, yeah. yeah there They're we go. all good. They're always going to be good. <laughs> this is just the frozen version of it, which is a little less good, but still good. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on here that we didn't get to in the first segment, which we had mentioned. Debo Samuel, he is also in town with Drew Locke. over these last two days and he's a guy who we actually know well that we haven't talked nearly enough about on this podcast and the reason we know him well is because he was at the senior bowl and we talk so much about Andy Isabella because he's just he's in a a very accessible spot 
for the Broncos in the sense of if they want him with the second, they could take him there. If they if he falls to the third, they could potentially get him there. That we've passed over Debo Samuel. And I don't want it to get twisted because Debo Samuel was incredible at the Senior Bowl. He was electric. In fact, in my opinion, he was the best player on the field at any position. Um, maybe Montez Sweat has something to say about that. But in terms of the way he was impacting the drills he was a part of, the way he, you know, he was playing when they went scrimmage. This guy was open all the time. So I just don't – I feel bad that we haven't talked about him. And when I saw his name come up today, I was like, wow, we really not talked about Debo Samuel. If he's an option at 41, oh, my goodness, count me in. Talk about a playmaker. And he plays with his hair on fire. This is not some guy you're going to have to worry about. If he likes the game, how much he's going to compete – uh, he brings it every single day. And and on the field, Ryan, he's not a big guy. 5'11", 215 pounds. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he is like the, the toughest running back you've ever seen. He, he breaks tackles. He's fast. And you're right. Senior Bowl week, he was absolutely amazing. He's like everything you wanted Carlos Henderson to be, but actually good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just didn't want to pass him over because when I was watching him at the Senior Bowl, I'm like, okay, well, this guy's a first-round pick. And so I just never thought of him as a guy who was accessible to the Broncos. But now people are talking about him, Nikhil Harry. If either of those guys are there at 41, I'm all the way in on that. I love Andy Isabella. And if you picked Andy Isabella at 41, I wouldn't be mad. But if you're, it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, Debo Samuel actually would be a perfect complement to what the Broncos have on offense right now. And, and if you do that, people are going to be very happy. He is... It'll be two years in a row that you got a real game changer in the second round at a a wide receiver. Okay, John, you're on the clock at 41. All those receivers are available. Mm. (laughs) I think at 41 is a little bit of a reach for Andy Isabella. The only way I, I, I think that would make a lot of sense is if the other two guys are gone. So then I'm down to Harry and Samuel. And... I think Harry is a little too similar to Cortland Sutton. Now, right. there's something to be said for that because no one's going to have two receivers or two corners that can stop those guys. But that's kind of also what we said about Demarius Thomas last year. Separation is huge, and Nikhil Harry got plenty of separation in college. But it's not the name of his game. Debo Samuel, he gets open. He's almost like your heir to the Emmanuel Sanders throne there. I would be I, I I would think that would be a really good pick there. In fact, that should be something that Broncos fans start to to dream of. This dude is is electric and I just loved the way he played the game there in Mobile. So I just I like I said, I feel bad. I think we did talk about him quite a bit when we were there. We haven't brought his name up since. Now that I see him falling to forty one and the fact that he's in the building with the Broncos right now, I like that a lot. Yeah, and the Broncos also have Chris Boyd, uh, cornerback from Texas, in the building as well. Another guy who's at the Senior Bowl, another guy who I actually really like. Yeah, so a um, lot of talent coming in here. Um, maybe later this week I'll give you guys an update on every player that the Broncos have or have had a pre-draft visit with. And like Vic said, maybe it means something, maybe it means nothing. That's how I feel about this podcast. <laughs> sometimes it means something, sometimes it means nothing. Today I think it meant something. Are you throwing smoke screens? Is that what you're saying? Always. You never know. <laughs> I might be part I'm part of the game. Oh wow. Can't trust anything I say. Uh, John's the one who's been dinging you up over Feeding there. It over. All right. All right. 
that's going to wrap it up for us today. But before we get out of here, I do want to tell you about our friends over at LiveWell, our new friends over at LiveWell. LiveWell Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of LiveWell's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-way half ounces and $60 pre-way ounces every single day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash bsn for all of the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell, spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L, dot com slash bsn. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's getting me down, waiting up for you. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com